of what we felt here on Sunday it's in this building the Holy Ghost is moving right now we love you Jesus we love you Jesus heaven and earth declare the greatness of the Lord the heavens show your handiwork God the moon and the stars everything is showing how great you are hallelujah we will respond to your greatness with a hallelujah we will respond to your greatness with worship and praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise all across the building. Amen, amen. Why don't you take a moment, get out of your seat, shake somebody's hand, greet them in the name of the Lord. Let's clap our hands one more time as we were returning to our seats. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We have a few announcements here tonight. We want to let you know uh, that we are continuing our new life class and uh, with just a few lessons into it. And they are accepting new students at this moment. 
And so please join Brother Diaz on Sundays at noon. Heard nothing but great things about what's going on in there. And here we go. Refreshments are provided. Heard great things about that too, Brother Diaz. Amen. People are loving that. Uh, this Sunday is our Super Sunday service at 1.30 p.m. Let's come early for prayer and bring a guest. We had a wonderful time this last Sunday. The Holy Ghost just took over. Uh, we had so we had several visitors that I'm telling you they were they were excited. They didn't know exactly what was going on. They said, "But we have never been in an environment like that," and so we're excited about what God is doing. Amen. Uh, future announcements: Our youth success class is coming up. That will be Friday, August second at 6:30 p.m. There'll be more information to follow about that. Operation Backpack is in full swing right now, as you can. Uh, tell if you look in the back in the lobby, there are uh, there is a nice, beautiful, colorful box, and that colorful box is accepting donations of backpacks, school supplies, and all of your your giving towards that uh, will be a blessing uh, because on Sunday, August 25th at 1:30 p.m., we're going to be having our annual covering service for all of our students, for those that are a part of the church, and those that we bring. And at that, we're going to be giving out those backpacks full of supplies. And uh, we got exciting news about that. Reverend Drew Morton from Chico, California will be preaching that for us. So it's going to be a good time in Jesus' name. Also, we want to let everybody in the church know that Tuesday, August 6th, will be Carson City's National Night Out. This is an annual event. Uh, and we are looking for volunteers to help set up, tear down, if puppetry is a ministry you want to be involved in, uh, or maybe just getting involved with the community uh, to let them know about our backpack drawing that we'll, we, we will be having that night. Uh, this is a great outreach opportunity, and it's by invitation only. And every year the city invites Apostolic Revival Center to be a part of that. So that is a huge blessing. Amen. Also, we want to let you know that there's a sign-up sheet in the back. We are accepting ushers, and we would love to have those that are faithful and love to shake hands and smile. Amen. We'd love to have you a part of that in Jesus' name. If we could stand all across the building, we're going to take some prayer requests here before the Lord. We want to let you know that um, we want to continue to pray. For all of those that are out on vacation, several this week are going to be camping and they're fishing and all those good things. The beautiful thing that this area uh, God has blessed us with, we want people to enjoy it in Jesus' name, but we want them to come home safely as well in Jesus' name. So make sure we pray for them. We're also continuing, and we have not ceased to pray for brother and sister Cote. We want them to know the church loves them. They listen in online, and uh, we're believing God for a miracle in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Also... It's good to see Sister Lindsay back in the house of the Lord. Amen. We want to, she asks, uh, she needs healing, so we're going to pray for her tonight as well in Jesus' name. Also, one final prayer request. We want to continue to pray for Fallon. We have gone out there for the last several weeks, and we have made several good contacts in every Bible study. We have had visitors. And so that is the will of God. Amen. So let's continue to pray for that. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray all across the building for these needs. Jesus, 
We love you. We thank you for another opportunity to come and to gather together. Amen. So much more as we see the day approaching, Lord. We are praying right now that you would touch brother and sister Cote, God. We are believing for a miracle in sister Cote's mind, God. We are praying right now for sister Lindsay, God. There is a healing that is needed. And we are believing you, Lord, to perform that healing that with your stripes we are healed, Lord. We are praying, God, for every soul, every door that was knocked in Fallon, that those seeds would produce fruit, God, that you would bring them to the house of the Lord, God, in Jesus' wonderful name, Lord. We also pray right now for those that are out on vacation, God, that you would bring them safely back to the house of the Lord. God, we're asking that you would touch this offering to the furthering of your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let's worship the Lord as we give. Oh, his report says 
Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the Word of God, aren't you? I'm thankful to be in God's presence, in God's house, with God's people, where God's Word can run freely. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says the devil is a liar and the father of lies. You better believe that if the devil's coming by, he's coming to lie. The Bible says a thief comes not but to, thief, to steal, kill, and to destroy. And, and he'll do everything he can to take your peace, steal your peace, steal your joy. And if he can do it, he'll obliterate it. But I want you to know, God said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. He's got another report, and that report is joy peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1. 
For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the principles of the doctrine of Christ, and we are going to continue that here tonight. And we are going to dive even deeper into the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. I've said this before, we'll say it again. He's saying that we like to get into other things, but, but for the time and, and in this present season, we've got to continue to talk about the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And he said, hopefully one day we'll be able to move on into other things, but for now, this is what we're going to do until God permits us to move on. So tonight, I want to teach and continue to teach on the principles of the doctrine of Christ, part three. And tonight, we're going to talk about that last part, eternal judgment. We're going to talk about eternal judgment. Could you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands and let's pray that God would teach us, that God would speak to us through his word. God, we thank you for your word. You said that your word would not return unto you void, but it would accomplish that which it was sent out to do. We know that your word is it is quick, it is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We're asking God that it would run like a scalpel here tonight, that it would do its work, God, that it would know where it's supposed to go, God, that it would land where it's supposed to land. And Jesus, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Clap your hands one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand and tell him God bless you. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Brother Bradley, filling in while the worldlies are out vacationing. I, I hope I'm not too loud for everybody here today. I don't want to blow your eardrums, but amen. We started off last week talking about resurrection of the dead. And uh, we never got all the way through it because there's a lot in the Bible that has to do with resurrection and and, uh, you know, the more you study it, the deeper and deeper it goes. It could be a rabbit hole that we probably could never wrap our brains around. And we talked about resurrection of the dead. And, and yes, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Some have said that Jesus is dead and in a grave. But I want you to know he's alive and well. Amen. He's alive and well, and he is operating in his church. But it goes beyond just the resurrection of Jesus. We learned last week that when Jesus arose from the dead after his resurrection, many that were the saints that were in graves began to get up out of their graves and they began to rise from the dead. We learn that the dead in Christ shall rise, that it's not just something that happened way back 2,000 years ago. It didn't just happen after Jesus rose again on the third day and a couple people got out, but there is coming a day where the dead in Christ shall rise again. There is coming a resurrection but resurrection goes above and beyond just that one distant day that one day God's going to part the clouds and that we shall all be changed and we'll be in the moment in the twinkling of an eye we're going to be changed and we'll be caught up together with him resurrection is something that is a daily thing in the life of a believer Romans chapter 8 if you have your Bibles and verse number 9 Resurrection is something that happens for every believer. Amen. It is ultimately 
a very powerful thing, but ye, the Bible says, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I want you to know that having the Holy Ghost is not optional. Jesus said, except a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Peter would say that you've got to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, washing away of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul went in Acts chapter 19 and found certain disciples and asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Because belief is not enough. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the spirit of Christ. Because if not, the Bible says we are not his. And the Bible says this, but if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Can I tell somebody that when you got the Holy Ghost, you got the spirit of resurrection? Hallelujah. You got the spirit of life, the spirit of resurrection. The Bible says Christ in us, the hope of glory. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. Through this power of resurrection, through the power of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath, which according uh, to his abundant mercy has begotten us together unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time I want you to know that when you got the Holy Ghost you got the lively hope you got the only hope. The Bible says, and we read this last week, that if all we had in this life, if Christ was not resurrected, if there was no resurrection, we would be of all men most miserable. If there was no life after, if there was no resurrection of the dead, there would be nothing that you and I would have hope in. But the Bible is letting us know that our living hope, our lively hope, is in the power of the Holy Ghost through the resurrection of Jesus. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got hope. Hallelujah. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got hope. So there is a resurrection through the Holy Ghost. There is a resurrection in the last day. But Jesus put it this way to Martha. He said, I'm not just going to have a resurrection in the last day. He said, I am the resurrection. Resurrection is not just a time. It's not just a season. It's not something that will happen one day. But Jesus is saying that it is a person. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. He is the resurrection and he is the life. John chapter 5 and verse 28. The Bible says this, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are engraved shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I want you to know that there is a resurrection for everybody. Whether good or bad. He is letting us know that there is going to be a resurrection for everyone. And resurrection is connected to judgment. We see this in Revelation chapter 20. We're not going to turn there tonight. But the Bible says that there will be a resurrection and there will be a judgment. 
And I want you to know that everybody is going to go through resurrection. The Bible says that there's a first resurrection. That is when God rises everyone up and there is a judgment to come. But I want to be somebody that is a recipient of a resurrection unto life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be resurrected only to be judged on that last and final day. But I want to be resurrected and God to look down from heaven and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Would you lift up your hands and pray right now? God, I want to be part of that number, God. Resurrection unto life, not damnation, not destruction. Not unto wrath, but God, I want to be resurrected unto life eternal. Resurrection happens, but there is a judgment that will follow resurrection of good and of bad. The Bible lets us know and that there is seemingly three locations, and I can put it this way. Locations are not just uh, what you'd find on a map, but they are moments in time. There are three moments in time, if you will, that are mentioned where the final judgment will occur. Now, this is up for debate, so there are a lot of ideologies on this. Not everybody, uh, nobody really knows the exact answer, but we can believe in the scriptures and we can look at them and find what the Bible does say about these judgments, if you will. The Bible talks firstly about the judgment seat of Christ. Those that were judged here, we can see because Paul is talking to the church. We can read it through the context that those that will be judged here will be part of the true believers. That those of us that have repented of our sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost, that have lived a godly overcoming life, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans chapter 14 and 10. Amen. The Bible even states, and we can read all of this, but we're going to just go through part of it. But why do it, dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. In the context, he's talking about uh, there, there, there is a group, and you see this also in Corinthians, they are trying to sue their brother at the law, and they are, they are going after one another. And later we're going to see as we turn to 2 Corinthians, he's talking about a group of people that, that, are, that, that don't have an understanding that we will judge angels. Amen. And so he's saying, why are you judging your brother? Uh, and he says, don't you know that every one of us, speaking of the brethren, are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I think that if we were to really look at this and think about it, it would change the way that we treat one another. Amen. If we have an understanding, I don't want to be too harsh on my brother because at the end of it all, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I want to have mercy on my brother. And everybody said amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 10. Paul continues to tell the church this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Everybody in the church has got to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The second place of judgment is what we would call the throne of Christ's glory. Now again, this is up to interpretation. Some are pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. I don't really care. I just want to get out of here when Jesus comes back. Amen. Those that are judged here will be those that remained on earth during the tribulation period. The righteous will be resurrected 
and judged prior to Jesus setting up his millennial kingdom on earth. Revelations chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. And the Bible says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them. This is often what I would consider Paul talking about, Don't you know that we will judge angels? Uh, this is probably the moment in which he is referring to. John is saying, I saw those sitting on thrones, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again, there was no resurrection for them, until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, which is what we referred to. God will raise them from the dead, and this will be a judgment. And there will be those that were beheaded and those that stood for a witness of God during this time of tribulation, and they will judge before God. Amen. It will be given them power to judge. Finally, the final place that we do see in Scripture. Now, these could all be one place. I don't know for certain. I can't tell you the answer. But I can tell you that there are three distinct places that we are seeing, or at least three different names of places. The final place of judgment that we do see in the Scripture is called the great white throne of judgment. Those judged here are the remaining dead that will be resurrected at the close of the millennia. That's what we just read about. That after all of this is said and done... Those, those that remain, they had not received the first resurrection. They stayed dead. This is what we would consider the second resurrection. And it is what we would consider to be the resurrection of the unjust. The great white throne judgment is recorded in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 15. The unrighteous there will be judged, and because of their sin, they will be cast into the lake of fire along with Satan and his angels. You can read about that as you go through the book of Revelations. But all of that is to say judgment is coming. There is no other way to define it. Judgment is coming. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. Paul is telling a young man, a young preacher. He is telling him, I charge you before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. I want you to know that judgment is coming and there was a mandate given to every preacher of the gospel. It is our job to preach the word of God and to warn every individual of that judgment that is to come. He said that there is a that the Lord Jesus Christ will judge the quick, those that are alive, and those that are dead at his appearing and in his kingdom. But he wants the preacher to know that it is your job to make sure 
It's not, I want you to know, as a preacher, it's not my job to, to be everybody's best friend. But I've got to be somebody that gets in the word of God and preaches the word of God as it is stated. To preach the gospel, to preach the doctrine, to be instant in season and out of season. Whether I feel like it or I don't feel like it. I've got to use the word of God to be a reproof. Sometimes, unfortunately, with tears, it is a rebuke. I've got to exhort and encourage those with all patience. And I'll do my very best to do it but ultimately it all comes back uh, to being coupled with the doctrine uh, because I've come to let you know here church uh, that judgment is coming one day uh, and we've got nothing else to keep the judgment of God back uh, but the word of God and the word of God standeth sure would you lift up your hands and worship him for just a moment hallelujah come on let's pray all across the building Judgment is coming. It's a fact. But I've come to tell you that there is a gospel. It is the good message of Jesus Christ. And it will, it will, it will get you out of that judgment. There is, a, there is the blood of Jesus. There is the power of the Holy Ghost. And it is a resurrecting power. I've got to be somebody that doesn't just befriend everybody. But I've got to be willing to stand firm. In the Old Testament it would say that if you don't warn somebody that they are going the wrong way, that God will judge it and set it upon you. Uh, the Bible says this, that yes, those that labor in word and doctrine are worthy of double honor. But can I tell somebody, it also says uh, that those that labor in the word, those that labor, if we don't follow it, if we don't preach it right, we can receive and heap to ourselves a greater condemnation. And I, I want to tell you here, and I stand before the fear of God. I don't want to stand before his judgment seat and him look at me and say, you didn't tell people the truth. I want God to look down and say, you told people the truth and you did it with as much love as you could. You told the people the word of God and you didn't turn. You didn't itch people's ears and, and, and play to people's uh, uh, favored things. But you preached the word of God as it is in the word. That is what our job is. We've got to be a church that stands firmly on the word of God. Isaiah chapter 33 and 22. Some would say this. God is love. He doesn't judge. We're living in a society now that would say, don't judge. Don't judge me. Really what they're saying is, let me live how I want to live and leave me alone. Leave me in my sin. And ultimately, people that want to be left alone, God will leave them alone. In fact, that's the scariest thing God could ever do to somebody. Leave them alone. My prayer is, God, don't ever leave me alone. Don't ever leave me alone. Don't ever stop speaking to me. Don't ever stop convicting me. Hey, as long as there's still conviction moving in your heart, you're still, there's still hope. As long as God's spirit is still moving and speaking to you, there is still chance and there is still hope. Some would say, well, God's not a judge. God wouldn't judge. He's love. That's all he is. To this charismatic world, that's all they see God as. But I want you to know that God is also just. Isaiah chapter 33 and 22. The Bible says, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. God's our judge, but God's also our Savior. God is the one that will judge us. He is our lawgiver. He tells us what's right, and he tells us what's wrong. I was teaching a Bible study to my neighbor a little while ago, and she talked to me, and she said, I'm a good person. And I've not known her to be a bad person. But I said, you know, let me ask you a question. What do you define as good? What, what in your mind is good? And she said, well, I, I, I don't do this, and I don't do that. And so she, ju she judged and defined her goodness based off what she doesn't do. 
And I said that's that's you know that is a, a humanistic way of seeing it. Um, it is a what we call moral relativity. It's that our goodness is based and our righteousness is based off of what we don't do. But can I tell you that your goodness and your righteousness is also based off what you do. It's not just based on what we don't do. I want, you, I want the church to never forget this. We're not just against things. We're for things as well. We're not just against sin. We're for soul winning. We're for knocking doors. We're for teaching Bible studies. Amen. She said, well... I don't do this. I said, well, you know, I said, it's interesting. If you ask anybody, they're going to say I'm a good person. You ask the thief that is in jail, they'll say, well, I'm a good person. You ask them, well, what makes you a good person? And they will say, well, I'm not like the murderer in cell block five. Because everybody's goodness and righteousness is based off everybody else's badness. But God is our lawgiver. God is the one that determines and tells us what is good and what is not. God is the one that tells us what is evil and what is righteous. And we've got to lean upon his word. We've got to lean upon, amen, his spirit to let us know what is right and what is wrong. And the only way we can determine what is good is to follow God's good word. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12 and 23. Yes, God is good, but God is also a judge. The Bible says that, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. The New Testament is letting us know that God is our judge. The Old Testament is telling us that God is our judge. The word judge means to separate or to make a difference between. It is God that is the one that makes a distinction between light and darkness, good and evil, night and day. It is God that makes the distinction between male and female. Amen. There is a world that we are living in that will call good evil and evil good. We cannot allow ourselves to be swayed by every wind of doctrine and the cunning craftiness of men. We've got to stand firm on the word of God. If God said that something is not right, we've got to trust God's word over the popular opinion of our society. If God said this way is right, we've got to trust God that he knows what way is right because Jesus said, I am the way. Lift up your hands and glorify him. Oh, come on, let's pray. Lord, teach us your way. You said the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And we're praying right now that we would walk in your way, that we would know your word, that we would obey the word of God. You cannot allow your college professor, your boss, your friends to try to redefine what is right. God is the judge. God is the judge of what is right. This word judge includes bringing to trial, examining evidence, determining guilt or innocence, and deciding the penalty for sin. God could have said, Adam and Eve, I know you messed up, no big deal. And God had every right to say that it doesn't matter, you can disobey my word. But God said that the penalty of sin, that in the day you eat thereof, you'll surely die. And the Bible says in Romans 6 and 23 that the wages of sin is death. The payment, the penalty of sin is ultimately death. It is eternal judgment. Eternal judgment is the great and final judgment spoken of in the Bible. And it determines the eternal destiny of everyone's soul. Some would say, well, why would God judge good people? Because we have a view of good that God does not have. We don't always see things the way God sees them. We could say, well, you know, my neighbor's a good person. My neighbor is always mowing their lawn and always paying their bills on time. 
And I would not say to anybody, go and knock your neighbor's door and tell them you're on your way down to the fiery pit. That's not how we do things. But I would tell you, with every bit of love you have in your heart, reach for your neighbor. With every bit of love you have in your heart that you want to see their soul saved, go and reach out to your brother, your sister, your family, your mother, your father. Let them know that there is judgment coming, but there is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. When God looks down from, from heaven, we might say, well, that's just Sally and, and Jim. John chapter 3 and verse 19. This is the condemnation. This is where condemnation is coming from. That light came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. You know, for every person that is a good person in this society, they don't always like truth. Truth is, the Bible says that God gives people a strong delusion for one simple reason. Do you know revelation and delusion come from the same place? God gives revelation. He said, to him that hath shall more be given. And to him that hath not shall it be taken away that which he seemeth to have. And the Bible says that God shall send them a strong delusion because they had not a love for the truth. Our ability to receive revelation is dependent on whether we love the truth and whether we get a strong delusion. Did you know, amen, and I've said it already, that the worst thing God can do to you is leave you alone. God can allow somebody to say, well, I'm fine the way I am. Amen, that's really what's going on. This is where condemnation comes in because they no longer allow conviction in their life. They no longer allow the light of God's word and revelation to come in because the Bible says they love darkness rather than light. Did you know that God is not going to send anybody to hell that is that is in love with truth and in love with revelation that is running after conviction and saying God uh, amen I want your word I want your word uh, every person that obeys that revelation every person that obeys the word of God uh, every person that obeys Acts 2 38 uh, and runs wholeheartedly after God uh, denying darkness and running into it uh, God's not looking for reasons to send people into hell God is a good God, but he's also a just God. God is not looking to take one apostolic person that wants to love him, wants to worship him, that is living right, that loves light, that loves truth. God's not going to say, well, I don't like this about you. Goodbye. The truth is, God is just. And, and people, if we were to look at their motives and their heart, they loved their darkness. There's not going to be one person in hell that says, Man, I sure love the truth and I love God. There's going to be many that will say, I knew you. I, I did many mighty miracles and I thought all these things. They love the idea of being a Christian. They love the power that came with a Christian. But when God came by with conviction, and you better believe God did, they said, well, I don't really like that. When God brought revelation, when God brought illumination and said, you need to fix this area of your life, they said, no, I actually enjoy this area of my life. The people that don't make it to heaven are going to be those that love darkness rather than light. I want to be I want to be somebody that says, God, I don't care if I, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't care if I, it hurts at times. Let your light shine down in my life. I want to love truth. I want to love light. I want to love your word more than anything else in this world. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. We're closer being done than you think, but I want, I want somebody to pray. 
God, if there is anything in me that is, that is in love with this present world, that is in love with darkness, God, remove it from me, God. I want to love your truth more than I love darkness, more than I love my habits, more than I love my vices, more than I love my addictions and compulsions. I want you to convict me. I want you to show me where I got to change and reprove me. God will always come by and he will show people truth. He will bring light into everyone's world. God is not a mean, unjust God that only shows certain people. God's going to come by and show everybody. He's going to come by to illuminate in their life. He's going to send a preacher. He's going to send a saint to knock on your door. He's going to send somebody to share the gospel with you. And can you believe it? There's going to be people that this was a free gift. The almighty God wrapped himself in flesh, came down and died for everyone's sins. And it was for free. He gives away salvation freely. And they're going to look at that Savior just like they did 2,000 years ago. And they will proverbially spit in his face. They will whip his back. Paul would say they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And it's all because they love darkness rather than light. God is just. And when his judgment comes forth, it is not hatred. It is not malice. God is not doing it because he favors one group over another, one person over another. It's because somebody, when the opportunity came to go after light, they went after darkness. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. I want you to just take a moment. I know that we, we talk about the gospel, which means the good news, but I want you to know there's also some bad news there. But here's the good news right here. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. If you are in darkness right now, I want you to know that God knows just how to get you out. If you, if you know you've got some things in your life that aren't right and you are not living right, I want you to know God knows how to get you out of that. God is not up in heaven fumbling around trying to figure out how to get people out of sin. He already figured that out on Calvary. He already figured that out when he rose again on the third day. He already has the power to get you out of that mess that you might have got yourself into. But in top of that, he also knows how to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. He's not doing this for people that, that again, that are, that are trying to get out of temptation. He's saying, okay, you love darkness rather than light. This is what he's talking about. These are the type of people that he's talking about. And this is, if this doesn't represent our world, I don't know what else does. Peter would talk about it this way. That, but chiefly unto them that walk after the flesh and the lusts of uncleanness. And despise government. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed. Does that sound like this generation? We're not living in a holy generation where everybody's thinking about how to live for God. I want you to know that is a fact as it was in the days of Noah, as it was when in Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. For those that are saying, well, we're waiting for the earth to get better. It's not going to get any better. But we are part of a church that is going to get better. We are part of a people that God is going to help and God is going to get us out of temptations. Amen. They are self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, dignities. Whereas angels, he's talking about this, that there's a generation that is, there is an attitude and there's a spirit and it's very alive and well in our generation. He says, angels who are greater in power and might, bring not rally, railing accusations against them before the Lord. Not even angels will touch some things that, that unrighteous humans will. Not even angels will talk in a certain way that unrighteous humans will. Amen. But these as natural brute beasts, 
made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. There are people that will stick their neck in things that they don't understand. Amen. They shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. There is a reward coming for the unrighteous, and it's not one that you want. And as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, amen. In other words, just like he was saying in John chapter 3, there's light that came into the world and darkness didn't like it. And darkness, they, he's saying that when there was revelation, when there was light, when there was hope, when there was grace, they had pleasure to riot. There is a world that will openly riot and display. They will pick it. They will do whatever they've got to do. And they will openly stand in the face of God and say, we don't like your way. We don't like your word. We are standing in direct opposition. Amen. I want you to know about the world we're living in. They will riot while it's still day. They will stand in the presence of God and they will riot before him. The Bible says spots they are and blemishes. That's why the Bible later says that we should be without spot and we should be out without wrinkle. We should be without blemish. He's saying don't be like this type and this spirit of the world. Sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. They, they'll come around and they'll eat with you. And at the same time, they are those that will live in contrary to the word of God. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Beguiled, beguiling unstable souls. They will not only, they will not be able to cease from sin, but not only they're going to try to get everybody else. You got to be aware of people that are trying to get you to go down the wrong path. You got to be careful of friends and relationships that will not only live a life that is not pleasing to God, but they will try to pull you out with them. They will try to pull you. Hey, I have no problem. Amen. We can reach the world. That is our job. That is our mission. As long as we are reaching the world, then the world is not reaching us. We've got to be those that you can be as messed up as you want to be. Amen. I don't expect the world to be holy. I don't expect the world to be righteous. But heaven forbid that the world starts pulling on the church, pulling on young people, pulling people out of the church, pulling people out of the right way, pulling people out of heaven. They try to take those that are unstable in their soul and pull them out of the church. Oh, lift up your hands. I'm telling you, we're living in a very wicked world and a very wicked generation. But I've got good news for somebody. There's a church that's standing flat-footed that knows whose they are and they know who they are. And we will not go that direction. Oh, let's pray all across the building. Lift up your voice and let's pray. Come on, that's why Peter said we got to save ourselves from this wicked or untoward generation. There's a lot more that Peter would say about that, but I want to move on. So that is, some people would say, well, why, why would God judge him? Right there. Look at the generation. Look at how they respond. They look at God. Did you know the Bible says this? The Bible says that, they show, that Jesus said, and he's telling a parable, that there are unjust servants, and I might have this verse in here later, but he said there's unjust servants, and he says, take them, bind them up, and cast them in outer darkness. If you love darkness so much, go ahead. That's what Jesus is saying. This is not the words of Evan Hood. This is the word of Jesus. And he says, and cast them in outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, there's two groups of people that are not going to make it. There's the weepers and there's the gnashers. The weepers are those that they wish they had one more day. 
They wish they had one more altar call. Can I tell you, there will be people that, and I, I know this is not a very happy subject here tonight. I apologize, but we've got to go through it. It's, it's, it's an essential of the doctrine of Christ, but I'm hoping to help reach somebody here tonight. But there's going to be people that wish they had one more preacher come by and just give them the word of God. There's going to be Lazaruses that are going to say, please, just one drop of water. I can't, I can't endure this pain. I can't endure this suffering. They're going to weep, and they're going to wish they had one more chance to make it right with God. If I just had one more chance to go to youth camp, if I just had one more chance to show up, amen, and to pray and to worship, if I just had one, and they're going to weep as they're cast in outer darkness. But there's also those that are gnashing their teeth. They hated God on earth, and they will hate God in hell. They hated God on earth, and they still, on their way being punished in the judgment, are going to, they're going to gnash their teeth. I want you to know that they all get the same judgment. But there is an opportunity for everyone to be saved. We haven't gotten to that area yet. We haven't gotten to that time yet. We haven't gotten to that day yet. I want you to know that there is a time. Amen. It's a time of grace. It's a time of mercy. Know you not that it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Everybody's judged. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And it is appointed... Unto men wants to die, but after that the judgment. Everybody's judged. Everybody. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. There's a whole generation that wants to accept Jesus, but we've got we've got to, we've got to be like Paul. Labor that we whether we're here or there, whether we're alive or dead, we, we want to be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest unto your conscience. What he's saying is uh, we're going to, we are going to be manifested in your presence as preachers and teachers and we are going to try our best because we know the terror of the Lord. And that is, that, that I want you to know, there, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. There's a lot of people that don't fear God. That's why they live the way they want to live. I want everybody to know you don't got to wait and look over your shoulder waiting for God to thump you. That's not, that's not what God is looking to do. But there should be an element in every believer's life that has an understanding that God is all-powerful. There should be an understanding that everything I do, it will be judged. Everything that happens, whether good or bad, God's going to come. We're going to all stand before Him and we will be judged. Judgment, Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. I want to give somebody some hope here today. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Can I help somebody? Judgment's personal. You will not be judged on how bad your parents were. You will not be judged on how terrible your home life was. You will not be judged based on how somebody else was to you. But you will be judged on a personal level. Everybody's going to stand there. This is why I don't agree. And I know when we say generational curses, I understand what people are really trying to say. Uh, but I, I want you to know just because your dad was a drug addict doesn't mean you got to be a drug addict. 
Amen. Just because your father was an alcoholic doesn't mean you need to be an alcoholic. There is no scriptural evidence that says because your father was this, amen, that I'm going to put that sin and judgment upon you. I want you to know God judges every individual by the content of their character. God judges them based on their actions. God judges them based on their responses. But if that is true, the very opposite is true as well. You cannot be saved based on somebody else's actions. You cannot be saved based on, man, that was, that was a good preaching that day. Man, my dad's a really good Christian. My mom's a great Christian. My brother's a great Christian. So-and-so is a great Christian. There is no scriptural evidence that you will be saved based on somebody else's righteousness. Except for Jesus Christ himself. So we will all be judged and it will be personal. Romans chapter 14 and 12. Coming to a close here in a moment. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You're not going to have to give an account for your wife, your husband. You're going to have to give an account for yourself. That's why the Bible is saying, you know, husbands love your wife and give yourself. But even as Christ gave himself for the church, it, 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 it's God's going to judge us based on our side of the relationship. Amen. God's not going to judge me based on how you were as a saint. He's going to judge me based on how I was as a pastor. And I have to, I have to, and that's why we got to keep our eyes focused on ourselves and say, God, help me. Help me in my area. Amen. I, I don't have time to go and pull, pull little specks out of everybody else's eye. I've got I've to focus because i got a giant beam right here in this eye. And God, if you'll help me with this, amen, I'll be able to help others. Amen. Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Jesus is saying this. He's confirming what Romans says. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. But by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. We've got to be careful as, as people of God how we talk. We've got, to, we've got to guard our tongue. James would say it's the most unruly member. Every idle word that man shall speak, God says, even your words you're going to have to give an account. I don't know about you, but I sure talk a lot. And I don't want God to look at me and say, man, I want to talk about all this stuff you said here about brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. I want to talk about all these things and all this negativity. and all. I don't, want, I don't want, God to, I want God to look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. So you're going to have to give an account. That's the first level. Everybody's got to give an account for their soul. You are going to stand there all by yourself. And the Bible even puts it in a very, very, very real way. You're going to stand and there's going to be nothing covering you. There's going to be nothing to hide behind Adam and Eve. There's no fig leaves there. You're going to stand before God and you're going to have to say, Lord, yes, I said that. Yes, I did it. Yes, I went there. Yes, I was with them. Good or bad. There's going to be some people. God's going to also say, man, I remember the time you knocked on that door. And God is going to, I'm telling you, there's rewards. I know that, I know it sounds real, uh, real negative here, but I want you to know there's also a, there's also a reward in here. There's also a blessing in here. Amen. First Peter chapter four and 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey, obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely shall be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? In the church, we've got to set forth the right standard. It's not our job to see how close we can get to the world. Judgment's got to start here. 
I'll tell you why judgment's got to start here. Because we're trying to get people into heaven. Amen. We're not trying to get people as close to the fires of hell. We're actually not. We're, we're, and see how, how close we can get and still be saved. No, I'm saying how close can we get to God? It's not about how close we can get to the world and still be saved. No, I want to get as close to Jesus as possible so that when he shows up, I'm looking for him. I'm waiting for him. I'm watching for him. He's saying that judgment's got to start here. The church has got to give proper judgment. The church has got to give a proper account. And we got to do it while we're here on earth. Hebrews chapter 13 and 17. Obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. I know this is not always a fun verse. But I tell you who it's not fun for. It's really not fun. I weep over this verse. I really do. Studying this verse today. Because I think to myself, I don't want to give that account of one individual. I know there's some people, they have their opinions. But I want, I want you to know, publicly as your pastor, I don't want to stand in judgment before not one individual that's ever graced the pews of this church or the seats of this church and ever say, uh, sorry, God, I've got to give the proper and true account. Uh, it wasn't good. I want to stand there in judgment with joy and not with grief and say, this, that was a wonderful man and woman of God. That was a wonderful family. They served God. They loved God. They did everything that, that was preached and everything that was told. Uh, I want you to know that there will come a day Amen. There's some people think that they're only going to stand in judgment and it's just going to be them. But there will come a day where God's going to bring forth every pastor you've ever had, every preacher you've ever had, and they're going to stand. And, and you might have done great during one, two, but what about number three? What about number four? What about number five? Can I tell somebody it is a it is not a fun thing to think about, but God will come by and he's going to stand everyone that's going to give an account for your soul and he's going to say, please tell me how they were. That's why he says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself. Why? For they are watching for your soul. Would you pray all across the building? God, we want to do it with joy and not with grief. God, we want to do it with joy and not with grief. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 2 and 5. You can stand all across the building. We're, we're done here. Romans chapter 2. Let's actually do Romans chapter 2 and uh, 4. If you, don't, if you can't pull it up, brother, don't worry about it. There's good news in here today. Man, I'm trying to see. Romans 2 and 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads every person to repentance. It is a blessing every altar call. It is, a, it is the favor of God every time we have a chance to pray and say, God, please forgive me. It is, it is the long-suffering. It is the patience of God. Can I tell somebody here today that God is not looking at, at the moment you mess up to throw you straight into the fiery lakes? God is saying, I, I want to be patient. I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm going to withhold judgment. I'm going to withhold it as long as I possibly can. There is the grace of God that is withholding judgment. It is holding back. And it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. 
But then he continues on. But after thy hardness, an impenitent or unrepentant heart or, or, or unsubmitted heart, treasurest up thyself unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. He's saying you're building up with the way you're living, the wrath of God. But there's still repentance. But right now you're just building up the judgment under the day of wrath. But the Bible says, I'm sorry. Who will render every man according to his deeds. To them who by patience continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality and eternal life. God's going to render every man according to his deeds. And there's people that are going to continue. They're going to continue in well-doing. They're going to be looking for the glory of God. They're going to be looking for honor. They're going to be looking for eternal life. But unto them which are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, because you're going to obey somebody, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. What, what kind of life is that? Who wouldn't want to live for God? He's saying that you're bringing to yourself indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish. You know why? Because God wants to see everybody saved. And God, I'm telling you right now, that's why the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Because you're going to have to fight against the claws of God's grace and mercy as you are walking away from it. He's going to use everything from every trial, every tribulation, every trouble. And he's going to try to pull on you. And he's going to try to reach for you. Amen. He, I'm going to tell you right now, that's why some folks pray back through and they could tell you, amen, I, I was lost and undone, but there was a car wreck. There was a sickness. But I want to tell you, every person that's ever been through that and you're sitting in church here today, you ought to thank God for it. Every bad thing that led me to a good God. Every tribulation and trial that led me to the goodness of God. But here's the good news. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also the Gentile. For there is no respecter of persons with God. Doesn't matter where you come from. All God wants is for you to live for Him. And for those that don't, there is a judgment, and it's an eternal judgment. And not, it's not good. But for those that obey the voice of God, He's saying there's glory, there's honor, there's goodness. There's mercy. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. First Peter 1 and 17, and I'm done. And if you call on the Father who, without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, he's saying, pass the time of your sojourning, your journey here in fear. We know judgment's coming, church. We know every person's going to be judged. I think we've seen that here tonight. But he's saying, you know what? God doesn't respect anybody's personality. He's saying, pass the time. Eternity is a long time. This life is nothing in comparison to eternity. And Peter is saying, journey in this life. 
journey in this life. Walk circumspectly. Journey here in fear. Live for God. Do what is right. Worship God. Be a worshiper of God here in this life. Amen. Because we know that there's a judgment coming. But I want to live for God here because I want to spend eternity there. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? This is not an admission of guilt, but an opportunity to say, Lord, maybe there's some folks that say, God, I've, I've kind of been toying with life and I haven't necessarily been walking in fear and I've not necessarily been walking in reverence of God and of his word but tonight tonight I know I know there's a judgment that's coming good or bad I know there's a day of reckoning coming and God I want to be right I want to be right I want to be able to stand before the presence of God and say, Lord, I passed my time on earth and I passed it and I journeyed and I traveled and I did it in fear and I did it in righteousness and I did my best to live for you. Would you come and pray? I'm done teaching.
Come on, that's it, church. Let's pray. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want you to say, well done, well done. I want every individual in the church for God to say, well done. I want our city to be saved. I want young people to be saved. I want men and women and children to be saved. Come on, church, let's pray. more time. Let's lift up our hands all across the building. Let's pray. I got good news for somebody. Judgment isn't now. So I'm getting it taken care of now. I'm getting it taken care of now. There's some things in life I want to I want to say, Lord, I got it taken care of. I, I got it taken care of. There's some folks that have been praying right now and God is bringing things to your mind. Hallelujah. In this altar, there's repentance. In this altar, there's mercy. In this altar, there's goodness. In this altar, there is favor. In this altar, there is grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray in this building. Come on, this is the most important thing right here. This is the most important principle 
right here. I want to be saved, God. I want to be saved. I want my family to be saved. I want my marriage to be saved. I want, I want everyone in the church to be saved. I want the, the kids that ride on the bus to be saved, God. I want every person that visits the church, I want them to be baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to see them in heaven, God. Hallelujah. Bible says in Romans, God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. When we deserved judgment the most, he withheld it. This isn't judgment day, folks. It was while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You got to get in Jesus you got to get the blood of Jesus on your life. So one day when you stand before that judgment seat and there is a judge and he's sitting over there and he's judging the quick and the dead. He looks at your life and Jesus steps forward with his blood and his mercy. I've forgiven him. I've covered him. There's no wrath for that individual. There's no judgment for that individual. I already paid the penalty. I already paid the price for that individual. Oh, let's love him all across the building as we're praying to be dismissed. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We're thankful to be in the church where you can set forth your word, where judgment can begin first at the house of God so we don't have to make it to that, that eternal judgment, God. Thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the altar. I'm thankful for repentance. And I'm thankful for your goodness. I pray, God, as this service would go forward, God, as, as we leave this building, Lord, that you would begin to let revelation shine in our life. If there's any area in me, God, that is not pleasing in your sight, cover it by the blood of Jesus. Cover it by your blood. Cover it in your mercy, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you want to keep praying, you're welcome to keep praying. If not, shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Let's come back here on Sunday. Bring somebody with you. We need